Hello and welcome to Rewind Design. My name is Katie McNabb and I am a local interior designer here in Cottage Country in Perry Sound and Muskoka area. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Once again, I really appreciate anyone for taking the time to listen to this podcast. You can actually take a look at the website and associated blog at rewinddesign.ca to see all the past episodes, including <laughs> a Georgian Bay cottage that used to be a brothel, as well as a farmhouse from the 1800s on Rose Point in Perry Sound. And you can also learn about a 100-year-old logging cabin in Dorset. There's lots of good stories on there. And again, that's rewinddesign.ca. If you are enjoying this podcast so far, I'd so appreciate it if you would follow on Spotify or Apple Music, whichever you listen to this on or whatever player you're listening to this on, you can click the follow button to be notified of the new releases. So you can listen to it as soon as it is released. And you can follow my Instagram at rewinddesign.interiors. I just wanted to point out the three main kind of mission statements for the podcast. So number one, it's to share generational family cottage stories. I'm documenting and capturing these stories in this conversational type podcast and complimentary blog that's associated with photos that go along with the stories. Number two is I'm documenting the history of cottage country architecture and kind of showing the evolution of cottage design over the decades and the intersection of the environment and the vernacular cottage architecture. Last but not least, number three, we discuss cultural and environmental issues. We acknowledge the indigenous land and the peoples who originally called cottage country home. And we also discuss the importance of respecting the biosphere and the delicate ecosystems along our shorelines and lakes. So if this all sounds interesting to you, I would highly suggest you click follow on the podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in for this episode. Uh, this episode is called episode number 12. I'm pretty sure it's number 12. <laughs> regs on Axford Island. So Axford Island, we can start off with, is on Georgian Bay. And I actually met Regs through an old friend named Perry, who used to be kind of in our group of friends when I was working at a restaurant down the South Channel from where my cottage is, which I worked at for many, many years. He was part of our uh, kind of like Craigamore restaurant friend group and we'd get together and have bonfires and parties and I hadn't talked to him for a really long time and then he reached out to me on Facebook saying that his dad would have a really good story for the podcast. So I ended up meeting his dad last summer in 2022. I went to their cottage on Axford Island and I, yeah, I was so blown away by his story and his creativity and his ingenuity and his knack for fixing things with materials on hand and very, just very nice, nice guy, nice family. I met Perry's sister as well, which was great to get her perspective as well. So the biggest thing I'm always thinking about when I'm looking at an island cottage, which is just so fascinating to me, is how the heck all the materials and all of the building supplies got out there and just like how the land was purchased, how people came across it. The whole shabam is like, it's against all the odds that people build 
cottages out on islands, especially rugged, rocky islands like there are out on Georgian Bay. So I always ask people this in interviews and it's always really interesting, the story of how they acquired the property. And this one in particular is really interesting how Rags acquired his property and it was a bit of a long and enduring process and he kind of gave up hope that he would ever own a piece of an island and eventually it all worked out for him and he managed to acquire the property that he dreamed of and still owns today. So stay tuned and listen to Reg's story. So just to talk a little bit about the property, they have a really charming property and it sits in a sandy channel between Axford Island and Lent Island out on the south channel of Georgian Bay from Perry Sound. So Rags hails from Dearborn, Michigan, which he later says is the home of Henry Ford, which is so cool. And he taught high school English and art and he was able to spend a lot of his summers as an adult in cottage country. His property on Axford Island is roughly 1.33 acres with 210 feet of frontage and there's actually only two cottages on Axford Island. They have a magical and I would even say enchanting property tucked in the hemlock tree forest with the original cabin still in place and it's painted in a bright Coca-Cola red, the same color from when they purchased it in 1970. When we first started our interview, we had a little walk around the property, Regs, his daughter Kelly, and me, and we toured the buildings and the special areas on the property. So we took a tour of the shoreline to the north, which wraps around towards a cove on the north side of the island, where they often host parties and bonfires in this location, and they have an incredible badminton court, which they hand-leveled by taxing the losers of badminton games to shovel and move a contractor's wheelbarrow of dirt across the court to fill in the uneven ground. They also have a sleeping cabin called the Bear Hut, as well as a bunkie and several sheds. The cottage itself is a modest layout with a central living area. When you walk in the entrance on the front face of the building, it's a one story. When you walk in through a one panel screened door, you're greeted by a warm and welcoming cabin with a stone fireplace in the direct line of sight. And that is kind of the main sitting area with um, several chairs and a couch right in the middle a rustic kitchen on the left wing of the cottage when you're looking in on the left and a sleeping wing to the right with three bedrooms. So the cottage has, like I said, three sleeping rooms, a functioning kitchen and a bathroom, and it's clad with textured wood plant paneling throughout. The feature wall in the living room is clad in a cedar shake detail that really warms up the space. So the space just feels super cozy and warm and inviting and just feels like a little cabin in the woods. So without further ado, we'll jump into our actual interview with Regs. Thank you so much for listening. So the first question I always like to ask people is if you can maybe just tell me a little bit about who you are yourself and what you what you did, what you do now, like who you are. I'm Don Raglan. I was born in Detroit, Michigan in 1945. Uh, I spent uh, my kindergarten life in, in Detroit's public schools. Detroit was probably the richest city in the world mm-hmm. because of the automobile industry for 40 or 50 years. Yep. And how it all went away as quickly as it did, somebody's going to write a bestseller. Mm-hmm. What in the hell happened? There's a <laughs> Detroit's an amazing place. But I moved. I moved to Toronto when I got married, and uh, found out just how much I hated city life. <laughs> I grew up in Dearborn, Michigan, okay. home of Henry Ford. 
Okay, so just jumping in here, in the next following clips, we're listening to Reg speaking about how he and his family used to come up to cottage country and how his family ended up here before they owned the cottage that they do now. How did you end up here in Georgian Bay? Like, did you come up here as a, as a child? My dad got invited by the neighbor, Warren Oaks, OCHS, to go fishing with him and his buddies. So my dad was the fourth. And that was, that was either 1954, 1955, or 1956, one of those three years. Okay. And Mr. Oaks came up with his buddies, fell in love with this. Now, my mother, on the other hand, <laughs> was a white glove lady, blue dress lady, wearing nylons out, raking leaves. Right. You know? <laughs> um, so my dad said, well, honey, let's take the kids up to Perry Sound. Yeah. So we ended up getting up here. And in the old days, um, most people didn't have a boat or they had a 16 or 18 foot boat was a big boat. And yes. You had an 18 foot cedar strip, Peterborough boat. Mm -hmm. You you were living the good life. Mm -hmm. And then the remember the Gru boats? Yes. Yes. My boyfriend's family. Yeah. My boyfriend's family just, um, well, just sold their Gru a few years ago and up upgraded but they had a groove for a long time a wooden one or plastic fiberglass oh god i think it must have been fiberglass have i to. still have mine so that's how i got up here came up with mr oaks and my, and my we rented a cabin at point pleasant marina yeah tell me about that that was that was amazing i have some photographs so i have to find them again okay um the cabin was smaller than the kitchen okay but they rented for three dollars a night yeah. So my dad bought and didn't buy. He rented one for him and my mother and my sister, and one for my brother and I. Mm -hmm. So it's three dollars a night. Wow! And how long would you stay for? A week. A week. Yeah. And the people got around up here by taxi boats. They were like twenty-six foot, semi-open. There was a cockpit kind of area. You could get out of the rain. Mm-hmm. And they threw waves, like this big. <laughs> so there was a beach at Point Pleasant Marina. Yeah. So we would go down there every day, and we we got air mattresses or inner tubes, probably inner tubes, truck inner tubes. And we just played all day there. We would go out fishing, my dad and I and my brother and my sister. My mom mostly stayed back because it wasn't her cup of tea. For sure. <laughs> uh, but my mother was a fad, fabulous lady. Uh, everybody loved my mother. Yeah. A lot of people can say that, but not like I can say it. Yeah. <laughs> she was a, she was funny. She was a wonderful lady. Yeah. So that's, we, we went up there. I saw that we were going to go in this boat and go out to Westwind Lodge. Have you ever heard of that? No, um, I think I've heard of it, but maybe you can describe it to me a little bit. Uh, it was, there's an American plan and a European plan. And this place came, they prepared all your meals. So that my mom, well, kids love water. Mm -hmm. So you can watch kids playing in the water all day long and be, be excited. We would go out. We rented a five and a half horsepower outboard motor. And the the habit you see all the boaters do up here, they wave. Yeah. That from the old days, if you went out on Five Mile Bay, mm -hmm. if you traveled two miles out toward us out here, toward Indian Docks, you would not see a boat all day. 
Really? Maybe one or two. Because what were most people getting out here through taxis then and, and yeah. not having their own boats? Yep. So in the following clips, Regs is describing his journey to him himself purchasing his island property that he has to this day and the challenges and the struggles in that time of his life. How did I end up out here? Um, when I was in high school, these islands were selling for like nothing. Mm -hmm. And my dad told me, and I, I was a good student in elementary school up until I hit puberty and I think... <laughs> he told you if you uh, oh, got on the honor roll, right? He would buy me an island. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> I want to ask, I tell my dad where my island is. I was on the honor roll. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't get an island. Well, you should have bought it yourself. Well, I'm the one that hit my dad up. Yeah. Nobody else did. Yeah. Did you hit your dad up? No, I did no, not. See, <laughs> people say, Rags, well, you had money. I said, I didn't, have any, I didn't have money. Yeah, well, tell us what happened. Tell us um, maybe a little bit how you, I remember you were telling me this last time how you were kind of searching for something and you went to different realtors and they were oh, showing oh, you. Okay, yeah. Well, because I kept hearing all these stories about these islands. The guy who used to own Point Pleasant Marina was a guy named Old Louie. And Old Louie was 79 years old. And 56 years, if you're 1956 and you're 77 years old, you are old. That's like 105 <laughs> now. Yeah. Nobody lived to 77. Mm -hmm. I didn't get the cottage because I didn't get the million dollars. But Mary <laughs> Reeford lived right next door, a year younger than me. And two doors down was Karen Andron. And uh, uh, Perry's Fountain can wait. <laughs> so uh, I put that on hold. I didn't. Th I, didn't I never thought of not thought about it, but. You know, I didn't have any money. I was a teacher. Yeah, this was when you were teaching. You were getting some money, and yeah. you were like, "I think, I think I, it's time." I made time. my first paycheck. My first yearly paycheck was six thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. So I didn't have a big bankroll to work with. <laughs> that was it. So I, I look at my bank account, and I had six thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars in my bank. <laughs> and I went into town. Um, my buddy and I were camping on Perry Island. We used to do that all the time. Yeah. Uh, we didn't. We found out we had to ask permission, which was certainly reasonable, mm -hmm. um, or register with. But they never came out to collect. So, and we always took very good care of it. When we left, it was it was clean. It was spotless. That's what you should do yeah. with any campsite you yeah, stay we on. We did, and uh, and so that's what we did. We go. So the next day is raining. Mm -hmm. I said, "Well, let's go on. Let's go." I was dating a gal. Susan and I were out cruising around, and. We came in from the open water out there, and this looks like a dead end. Yeah, I'd never been. I'd that. never been through this channel before. And when you're coming this way, most people get about 200 yards away and say, "Well, that's just dead end," and turn around and go out. Yeah. So Bob and I are in town, and it's a, it's a lousy day. And I said, "Bob, I saw this place. Uh, let's go out and see if we can find it." Had a for sale sign. Mm -hmm. This prop, this property with the cottage on yeah, it, with the cottage on it, mm -hmm. and a dock and a boat. And we went into the real. I went into the first Timmins realtor who's been around forever. Yes. <laughs> and I walked into them first of all. I said, "I'm looking for a cottage. I don't have a big budget, uh, <laughs> and I'm looking for something just kind of a fisherman's shack kind of thing." Yeah, you just needed a place to to yeah. stay. Really, you didn't really care what it was. Roof, you know, yeah, <laughs> waterproof roof. Yeah, and and he said, "Well, what do you? Here's here's a place for sixteen thousand. Here's a place for $68,000. Here's a place for, well, $32,000 in Metro Detroit. You got a nice house in 1970. Yeah. Um, you got a very nice house. Um, 
And I said, okay, okay. I said, do you have anything like, like a thousand dollars? He said, those days are gone. Yeah. He said, he said, I sold a shack a year ago and it was a shack. Yeah. For $32,000, I think he said. Were you scared at this point? Oh, yeah. You- yeah. I'm shaking, as a matter of fact. I was so, <laughs> oh my God, what what's happening here? What, what did I screw up? Like did you, you thought you might have missed your opportunity. Yeah, so I, I went back and we went back in town and it started raining. I, I said, Bob, it had already been raining mm-hmm. for a couple of days. And you, three days in a tent, it's time to go home. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's what we've discovered and it still holds true to this day. Mm-hmm. So I said, Bob, let's go back into town. Let's get the realtor. Let's go look at it. And then we'll go home. So I went two doors down. And it was a real company called Mason and Mason. Okay. Did you ever hear of that? No. They've been gone. They weren't around in very much. And I walked in there. I said, I'm looking for something around thousand. She said, How much? I said, Well, maybe twelve thousand. Oh, those days are done. <laughs> I said, Well, we tried to find it, and I can't find it. So I, you need to take us out to where it is. She said, Well, it's raining out. I said, We live four hundred miles away from here, and we're here. And we all have raincoats, and I want to go out. <laughs> we're going out, and we're yeah, seeing we're the property. And we're seeing the property. So lo and behold, this was the property. And didn't they, didn't didn't you say she like went through a little filing folder? Oh yeah, she was literally. Oh, you remember that? Yeah, a little like a butter box mm-hmm. uh, with three by five cards. Mm-hmm. Where I just had three by five cards, and and you pulled it out of a shoebox. That's yeah. what it was in. <laughs> <laughs> she and went right to the back. There's this dusty card, and she's like, "Well, there is this property you can go see." She said, "Well, it can't be much." Yeah, and I said, "Well, I don't need much. <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm a minimalist, mm-hmm. unless I'm collecting junk, and then I'm great at collecting." Mm-hmm. So I got back home, looked up, didn't lose the phone number, and called the realtor up and said, "I want to put a bid on that place." And they wanted eight thousand dollars for it. So I said, "Well, you know, my dad always said buy when everybody else is selling, sell when everybody else is buying." And he said, "Oh, seven thousand. And I did, and they took it. There you which go. Which shocked me. Yeah, because I was not. But five hundred dollars in those days was five hundred dollars. That's a lot. It's it's nothing anymore. But yeah, then it was. So that's how I ended up with the cottage. And what year was that that you bought it? Excuse me, 1970. So in this next clip, <laughs> Riggs stands up and he's walking around the cottage explaining the different furniture pieces that actually came with the existing cottage and kind of the refurbishments he did to them and the story behind all of these pieces that are still in his cottage today from when he purchased the cottage in 1970. Didn't you tell me when you when you, when you first bought it, you uh, it had some of this original furniture in it? Yeah, that's what I got, that's what I got up to show you. Oh, okay. Uh, oh. This this was a factory urinal green. <laughs> that horrible green. Yeah. The green can be so beautiful and so putrid at the same yeah. time. The the actual furniture? Yeah, the furniture okay, this this was here and it was really ugly and really dated. It was dated fifty three years ago. <laughs> so this chair I never even thought about this. She's probably 90 years old. Wow. Might be older than that. Because you would have got it 30, no, 50-something years ago. 
Yeah. And I, it was I, already I, I, here. I got it 53 years ago. And it was already here. It was already here. It was already worn out. Oh, man. Yeah, and that's I cool. I made the mistake of sitting down there. Yeah. And I went, oh, my God. This chair is unbelievable. <laughs> it looks awful. <laughs> it looks awful. But it's so it comfortable. it looked awful for another 30 years. And then I finally uh, broke down and recovered it. Yep. And uh, well, there it is. Yep. This was truly one of the ugliest couches ever made. <laughs> this was mid-century modernism. Yes, yes. This is a click-clack couch. You know what that is? No. You pull it up from here. Okay. And you pull it up and it, and it, and it pivots on itself and it goes click. And you bring it down a little bit and it goes clack and it locks it in. Is it a daybed? Into a daybed. Oh. But the upholstery was so bad on it and the cushioning was so bad on it that The kids want to replace it. But I said, I, I don't really want you making changes when I'm around. I, <laughs> I mean, like, that's fair. I like it just the way it is. Yeah. And so I refinished the floor a few years ago. And that made a huge difference in here. Yep. Um, I've never been rich, but I've always had great ideas. You know, that's that's the best part of life is having the ideas. And if you're passionate about it, that's all that really matters, isn't it? Yeah. And it's worked out. I've had a, I've had an easy life. I don't ever get anything new. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, though. I think that's important. You know, you don't need to get everything new. Everything has character and a story. Character. There we go. That's what I've got. And that's what I like. Yeah. That stove. My mom worked at a place called Crowley's, an old department store. There's a TV show from England. Are You Waiting? It's a British TV show. It takes place in a place like Eaton's. Okay. In the old-fashioned days, when yeah. they, three people came out to measure your pants. Oh, okay. You yes, know. yes. Um, those days are gone, obviously. But So here we are. This couch was over here, and the leg had been broken. So it was propped up with two-by-fours, two-by-sixes, whatever was handy. <laughs> that was here in the ugliest fabric you've seen mankind ever have. Yeah. But it was that 50s, mid-century modernism. Right. So there's this tacky chair. Here's this broken down couch. Here is this chair and this chair, which my mother bought at a garage sale in 1970. There were no garage sales in 1970. Yeah. So, Mom, where'd you get that? I love that. Oh, God, it was $5. I love that. So, so there it sits. And the guy, guy told me, he says, the best thing you can do with this thing is one day just go out and throw it in the lake. Really? Because <laughs> he said it, it will remain pliable and it won't break. It'll bend. Mm. Which makes a lot of sense. So these, I bought, I got about garage sale chairs, uh, cushions. So how much money have I spent on furniture so far? Zero, right? I think zero, yeah. Uh, this, this used to be a wooden stove here. Old-fashioned wooden stoves, which were around a lot. In, yep. In the early states, started disappearing in the seventies. This thing used to sit here, and it was you know it took up half the kitchen, and then you had to start a fire, and it was just a pain in the butt. Yeah. So I left it stored outside, underneath this over, but it turns out it was the worst place to store it because all the rain came down. Yep. And it rusted very quickly, so that got. Thrown away. I thought I, that's when they were collector's items, quote unquote. 
My mother was moving from Dearborn, and my dad had died at 58. My mom was a 70, 54-year-old um, widow. Wow. So there was a window here, and they put the refrigerator right in front of the window. <laughs> like they covered they covered the window with the fridge. With the fridge. Hmm. Interesting sight line. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So takes us back to the furniture. I spent this. Yeah, the my stove. My mother was selling her house in Dearborn for $62,000, which was a lot of money in those days. It was a very nice neighborhood. Beautiful neighborhood, in fact. Still is. Um, my mom sold it. Three days after she sold it, or whatever, not very long afterwards, the uh, stove died. <laughs> and so my mom had to get had to resell it with the stove. And she said, well, it doesn't work. And my my mother's co-worker overheard her saying her her stove was her daughter had won Miss Michigan runner-up. Wow. <laughs> and her prize for runner-up was this stove? This stove. 1954. So this stove was won by your mom's friend's daughter, who was the runner-up for Miss Michigan. Exactly. And this was her gift. This was her gift. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. It's unbelievable how many people comment on this stove. Yeah, let me come take a look. Rags, where'd you get this stove? It's pretty beautiful. <laughs> it is. Mm -hmm. It still mostly works. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And it's a, a wide one, too. It's like three, three feet. It is three feet. Yeah. Oh, okay, so it's got four burners and then kind of a prep area on right. the side. Yeah, because we don't exactly have a lot of room in here. Yeah. And people, there's a lot of people who come. It's got, yeah, like how many people come at once? The biggest summer of 26. <laughs> okay, so next we're going to jump a little bit into the description of what the cottage actually looks like on the inside and a little bit of a more visual description of everything. Yeah. And this cottage looks perfect here. Mm -hmm. You couldn't pick a better shape. You couldn't be pick a better color. I didn't choose it. Mm -hmm. I would have never been brave enough to Coca-Cola red. When you bought the cottage, it was already this yeah. bright red color. Like I said, Coca-Cola red. Yep, yep. <laughs> They're both pretty. And there's amazing how many shades of red there are. Oh, trust me. There's yeah, there's yeah, like a thousand know. shades of white alone, you know? Yeah, that too. Yeah, but just so people listening can understand what, what it looks like, we're sitting in the, the central area with a fireplace on the back wall. A beautiful fireplace. Beautiful fireplace. Beautiful cedar shake on the back. I'm assuming that's cedar. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. Looks beautiful. Love it. Love the texture. We've got um, kind of a vaulted ceiling in here with pine ceiling. And then to the left, we have the kitchen. Bought from McNabb. That's where the roof came oh, from. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Love that. Well, that's why it looks so great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then to the left, we have the kitchen. That's a separate wing with another peak. And then um, that looks out over, over, over the water. And then on the other side, it's kind of like a T-shape, just describing it. Right. The other side has um, three bedrooms. And that's what... Dinky. Dinky, yes. Dinky. Enough for 90, a bed. 8 by 8, 97 by 97. Nice. That is small. Well, it's enough to sleep in. And like you say, mm. you're, you're spending most of your time outside. So mm. really, you just need a, a bed to sleep in. And that accommodates lots of people. 
Um, but yeah, that's just kind of a visual of, of what the cabin looks like. And then it's, it's my favorite word. All the old ladies who go by in the boats all say, (laughs) oh, that cottage is just so adorable. It is so adorable. It's adorable. It is. Yeah. Oh, it's cute. It's just cute. It is cute. It's adorable. Yeah. It feels very cozy and homey and like you just want to curl up and read a book. It just feels really welcoming and... Well, it has been welcoming for hundreds and hundreds of people. We're talking from inside the cottage right now. We're sitting at your dining room table. Um, You've got some beautiful wood mullion windows. And we're looking out onto... What is this channel called? You call it... Sand Run. Sand Run. My buddies all call it the Raglonian Streets. (laughs) Because this body of water is like a... It's like a street. Well, there's no one really else in this channel, right? You're the, the only one. The sand channel is is the in the local vernacular. You're right, uh, right. That's what they call it. Sand channel. Pure sand. This cottage is sitting on pure sand. Next, I'm asking Regs if he knows who constructed the cottage or how the cottage came to be before he purchased it, as when he bought it in 1970, there was already this existing cottage on the property. Just talking about the actual cottage, because when you bought the property, the cottage was already here. Right. So do you have any idea when it would have been built or how old it is? That's a really interesting question, because I've launched debates on the subject several times with local characters who yeah. used to be around here yeah who are all uh, who are all dead now yeah um, one of the most interesting persons I ever worked up here was a guy named Wayne Tuck who was employed by one of the Eaton family mm-hmm. and he was the caretaker he was a trapper one year he got flown into a it may, must have been just before it froze. Froed in it, flew into one of the lakes, so that got all of his trapping gear, and he lived in that. It was kind of like a box, an eight by eight box, basically plywood, and that's what he, that's what he lived in. Mm-hmm. One year he caught fifty four mice. I think in, in his eight by eight, in an eight by eight plywood <laughs> thing. Eight so. By eight by eight. So does he have any idea then? He died this year. But does he have any? His theory like what was. What was his theory? Yeah. Um, but when he. So, okay. So let's back. Wayne Tuck had a theory about this cabin. Mm-hmm. He said, here's what I think happened. They dismantled a building from somewhere or other. Because if you go underneath the cottage, you're going to see old barn beams that are this big everywhere. Okay. And they had concrete. Um, residue on them from so that's why I think it dismantled they they tore down the building yeah they had stucco on it they had whatever on it it stayed on the uh, the beams hmm. at the, the floor joists okay that's what's made up with it. and he said rags what I think happened is that they picked the spot because they couldn't be spotted right because it's yeah. really it's really yeah. tucked away it's off the channel no one would come down here but, uh, nobody would yeah and nobody did. Okay, so in these next clips, Regs is talking about going into Scotia Bank in Perry Sound. He remembers seeing a big map on the back wall of all of the islands in Georgian Bay, and it would show a black square denoting where the cottages were, and he believes this map was from the 30s, and that there was a black square on his exact property where his cottage is. The CIBC, the Scotia Bank, I think it is, there used to be a beautiful bank there. On the corner, it sat there perfectly, and they bulldozed it. 
they used to have a big, huge map. Mm-hmm. Like as big as those two windows and those two windows combined. Mm-hmm. Took up the whole wall. And it was from 1936. And on that map, it has little squares, eight by eight. That's where our cottage was. Mm-hmm. And this place was on that map mm-hmm. in 1936. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So basically there was this map in Scotiabank that had little squares to denote where the cottages were. And that map may be around someplace or other. Could yeah, be in the Perry Sound Library. From that map, you're kind of assuming that this place was probably built in the 20s or 30s. 30s. So it's almost it would almost be 100 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's not built on rock. No, it's all pure sand. I dug, I dug the septic. I know it's pure sand because I dug a hole that was fourteen feet long, six feet deep, and six feet wide. And it's kind of crazy because here everything is built on bedrock because there's so much rock. But because of the situation of you between these two islands and this sand channel, it must just be from wind flowing, like wind and water flowing through here, and just like really you know, breaking down the rock to create all the sand. It's very unusual. It's very unusual. Okay, so on Riggs' property, they have the main cabin, but they also have a bunkie and a a few sheds. And then they also have what Riggs calls his bear cabin, which he built entirely himself with found and repurposed materials. So in the next clips, he's describing the process, what inspired him, and kind of what they use the bear cabin for. In the States, a famous, famous, famous writer for boys who hate reading books. (laughs) We love reading his books Mm -hmm. because there's just amazing And what was his name again? Henry David Thoreau. Okay. And he led the movement in transcendentalism, which is kind of what the hippie world was about. It's a fascinating subject. And uh, there's another very famous writer out of there. they were so far ahead of the rest of the world on, on uh, saving forests, saving the woods, saving the water. I was in high school, sixth hour, last class of the day. The sun was pouring in to the English wing of that high school. And you were teaching. A beautiful high school. And that high school was Dearborn High School. Um, a very, a really good high school. High mm-hmm. school. So I'm sitting there in Mrs. Williamson's class, who was not the most dynamic teacher in the world. She was okay. But she was from the East Coast. And she thought you should pronounce things perfectly. <laughs> Enunciate. <laughs> That's where I learned the meaning of enunciate. And you're from and you're from Michigan and I feel like Michigan's got a bit of an accent. You guys can Ontario people say we have an accent. Do I have an accent? Got. Yes. <laughs> And wherever, wherever you're from is, you know, that's not an accent, right? Like, I don't have an accent. And then you come here and I think you have an accent. But if I come to see you, then you think I have an you're accent. You're out of luck. Yeah. Anyway. So I'm reading this book. And this book just comes crashing through the window with these language and these paragraphs and these sentences and these vocabulary. And I'm like eating it up as quickly as I can. I got, oh, God, what's the next page? And I, trust me, I never. People say, well, you have to be able to read. I said, no, you have to have some adventures in your life to write about. Yeah, I agree with that. So, so I'm reading this book, and he's writing about living in this pond outside of Boston. He said, why would anybody want to live in a city? Oh, 
<laughs> Why would anybody care if you have perfectly mitered uh, baseboards? <laughs> why would why would you bother with that? You've got this beautiful woods, this lovely pond. If you need anything from the city, it's just a two mile walk. It's just why would you do this? <laughs> and so he starts listing as he's writing about this how many nails he had to buy, how much they cost each, how many. Uh, shingles he he would have to get so i so i looked at he built it for 26 dollars <laughs> and i said well he can do that i can do that, that is a challenge and a half yeah so the reefer's house right next door to us i watched the carpenters every day mm. i was fascinated with them still fascinated with what carpenters can do they're, they're geniuses they really are they really are yeah the plumbers the electricians they're yeah. Everyone involved with making a house or a cottage is like, they all have their specialty and it's just, yeah, it's fascinating, especially the carpentry, I think. I guess going back to the bear, bear, house. bear house. I built it for, including wiring. There's Wait. an old, if you, there's an old generator. Um, somebody poured a, port, uh, poured a slab. Oh, so you already had a slab the studs, there. The, yeah, so it's, it's all set. Somebody had a generator there before. Well, and people say, well, how do they wire that? And I said, well, in the top 10 richest family in Canada, they're my neighbors. <laughs> and they wanted electricity. So they and, got electricity. And they got electricity. Yep. Way before hospitals, doctors. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to have rags. Yep. <laughs> Get it first. <laughs> just to break them in. So you do you do have hydro here, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And that was part of the $8,000. Wow. You built it all yourself. Built it all myself. Used a lot of repurposed material. Um, or all the roof came from Inkster, Michigan. The sliding, beautiful window came from the Lafon family's neighbor. Wow! He just went in and took it. <laughs> Mister <laughs> Lafon went in. And I said, "Well, he's not. He's not home. He said oh, he won't care, Rags." <laughs> <laughs> so there's this beautiful sliding. I turned it into a slider, and uh, that's out there. The other ones, the windows were from the trash. Some of them were from the dump. I love the dump. So yeah. no, I, I don't. I can't. I can't go anymore. I'm not allowed to go anymore, including electricity, because I found the old wire that was buried underground that went out to where the uh, generator would have generator been. Generator would have been. Yeah. So I already had the wire. I didn't have to buy that. The only thing I had to buy was a female receptacle. Yep. For electricity. Yes. So I built the entire barrels. For 96 cents. <laughs> That's how much the extension cord came. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it, yeah, I, last time I was here, I, I went in and I, you've got two like cots on either side. Because mm -hmm. what's the, what's the footprint? It's like how many feet? Here's the bear house. Yep. Here's the entrance right here. Yeah. Walk in, there's a cot there, a little desk from the dump. At the end of the thing, and then another cot there, and a shelf up here, and a shelf up there. Yeah, and it's got like these little windows on either side that are right at eye level with the bed. Yep. So when you lay down, you, you just look right out. And you can hear a cricket. Yeah. Walk by. I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so next I asked Regs who he bought this property from and if he knew who the previous owner was and if he knew any stories about what had taken place at the cottage and... The story he told me is almost unbelievable and crazy, so take a listen to his story in the next clip. 
I bought this from a from a guy named his last name was King, and he had a wife and two little kids. And I said, "How could you sell this?" He said, "I don't have any money, and I need money. Yeah, I got a wife and two kids." I didn't get to meet the guy because I was up here with, I think I was up here with 10 of us in my boat. And in my boat, there's only two times when it wasn't plain, when it was filled with beer, when we were having a whole bunch of people coming up. So I buy the place, didn't have a chance to meet him, never saw him. I have to close in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I get up, I, I slept, I over my, my engine didn't want to run. So I got like 45 minutes late. And of course, no cell phones, no way. To, I don't know the guy's name. I don't know his phone number. I don't know anything. Oh, my gosh. I don't have the realtors. So we get in my 1961 Ford station wagon. <laughs> That's what I was driving. Trusty Rusty, which I paid $125 for, I think. Nice. Not much. Nice. <laughs> and it lasted me for like three. Everybody knew the name of that car. Trusty Rusty. Trusty Rusty. And... Uh, so I said, I, I let me see if you can write something down about this thing. So he sent me a letter. He said, this has an unusual story behind it. He said, the RCMP apparently raided this location because they thought that there was an espionage deal going on because they found these two guys were mapping uh, Georgian Bay, or the submarines for the U-boats that were going to come in. <laughs> wow! And I said what? And he said, "He said this is this is what they told me." And I'm telling you my best, your best recollection, of it, the yeah. recollection of it. And it's too weird of a story not to be true. That's know? how I feel. Like, how could that not be true? No. You can't make that up. No. And why would you make it up? Yeah. And they were a long ways away from the getting submarines in because he hadn't even built the uh, the access. I can't think of what it is, uh, where you can bring ocean-going ships into the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. That's uh, just so interesting to think that that would be happening here. So I guess the only other last thing I – or, you know, we can talk a little bit longer, but the other things I wanted to ask you is last time we were here, we just went for a walk around that – around to the point. Yeah. And you had built this – is it a tennis or badminton court? Badminton, badminton court. And then and basketball for and, that matter. Yeah, so that's really cool. It's like this really flat part where you I guess you must have dug like the We had tournaments. You had tournaments, we yeah. You had tournaments. And uh, or if you won three out of two games, you had to move the soil. Yeah, you had to move three you had to move three construction contractor. Oh, wheelbarrows. Yeah, wheelbarrows. Right. And so that was the game you played to, to make it, yeah. to infill it and make yeah, it so flat. It was, just, it was just two out of three regular stuff. Right. And then it was uh, then it was playoff time. Right. And those games you had to first one to five. And then you finally the Olympics and oh, the Olympics. And sometimes you'd be you were exhausted. You ever play Batman? Yeah, real Batman. Uh, probably not real. Just like Toronto the has real badminton players yeah. there. I thought I was really good. Like I could spot you thirteen points, play at fifteen, and I would win. And it's a beautiful sport to watch. Mm-hmm. Graceful. I could have played these guys to five hundred and never gotten a point. <laughs> oh no! 
Unbelievable. Oh no. Unbelievable. So your your badminton court kind of that is that still on your property? Or I think so. You know, I never had a survey. So I I I assume it is. The gal said, See that big rock down there? And I said, Yeah, she said that that's where your property is. That's so funny. And that's like a hundred feet beyond the court. Because you're surrounded by crown land. Yep. And then on this island, how many other cottages are there? One. There's only one on the other side. Mm-hmm. And then on Impassable. I never I, I tried to walk across once and it was miserable. Walking across the island? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, well, it's a pretty big point, island. I walked out to the, the 60, that's 70 acres, 72 acres, I think. And mine's 65 acres. Right. So like, You're 65 acres, mm-hmm. the island. Yeah. Okay. So it's, yeah, that's a big island. And to only have two cottages on it, that's... No, it's... You guys have kind of made a trail along the shore right. to mm-hmm. that um, kind of bay in the back, yeah. which is super nice. And so you, you guys spend a lot of time over there having bonfires. And the, just the last thing I wanted to ask you was just, um, like, why why do you love being here so much? Like, what's your favorite part about being here? It's just absolutely gorgeous. Where do you find something like this in the whole world? You can't. And I own a piece of it. Yeah, you do. You know, it, um, it's mind-boggling how lucky, really how lucky I've been all my all my whole life. Well, I just want to say thank you for sharing your stories with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just great to meet people very, you know, really close by to where my cottage is and just seeing how your your story has developed over time and all the things that you've done here and the people that have come here. And it's pretty amazing, really, how you ended up here. No, it is. It's, the whole thing is it's magical. Yeah. I mean, it really is magical. It, like, changed your life. I, it changed my life and yeah. I didn't have to hardly do anything to make it. To make it happen. To make it happen. Yep. Thank you so, so much for listening to this week's episode. I so appreciate every single listener that tunes in, every single reader that reads the blog, rewinddesign.ca. The best thing you can do for me to support me in this journey is to either follow along on Spotify, Apple Music, or whichever platform you listen to. Click that follow button. The second best thing you can do is share this podcast to your friends and family. If anyone you know might be interested, just forward this along to them and tell them to take a take a listen or take a peek at my website. And if you're interested in supporting me further, I also have a Patreon account where you can donate $5 a month to the podcast and a portion of that will also go to the Georgian Bay Land Trust and that is patreon.com slash rewind design. No pressure to do any of that. I am just so happy if you're listening to this and if you love Cottage Country and Georgian Bay and Muskoka as much as I do. So thank you again so much and stay tuned for another episode in three weeks. Bye!